Good morning. This is a good promise. I will go and prepare you a place. And he's coming to take us again. Do you believe in that? Amen. Amen. And he's coming to take us to be with him soon. I hope before I preach. Now. Now. How are we doing today? We're good. We're good. I tell you, those who were with us, better? Okay. Those who were with us during the breaking of bread would have, would tell you that the Lord was with us. And I was waiting for him to come. Okay, if you have your Bibles, your iPhones, your iPads, whatever, uh, open up, open up with me to Acts chapter 17, Acts chapter 17. I'm glad to see you with me today, and I promise I will not let you go to sleep, and I promise to finish on time. Verse 1, Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they had traveled, uh, they, it's in verse 4, Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. When they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I am, proc I, I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a great multitude of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. Nothing changes, right? <laughs> Nothing changes. You will always have mobs and in an uproar. And coming upon the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. And when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, these men have turned the world upside down. And Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. And when they had received a pledge, a promise from Jason and the others, they released them. These men have turned the world upside down. It says in some uh, uh, versions, these men have upset the world, have come here also. They're, they have upset the world. 
as we enter the third month of this year, we are witnessing, and I think you agree with me, changes in our world. Changes almost in every area of life. At the same time, we notice the increase of violence, crime, and racial strife. What used to be abnormal is now normal. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And people are lost and in frustration in, and in futility that we see around us. Sin has increased in different forms and it's challenging our beliefs and those who stand for the truth. When you read the book of Acts, if you read it with a sense of study, you will notice that what happened then, 2,000 years ago over, is happening today. The way people rejected the word of God then, they are rejecting it today. The people who uh, did not want to listen to anything that is religious, today, they are doing the same. So the book of Acts is a vivid picture of our society then and now. Many similarities with our state and how our Lord led these few disciples. How many? Twelve disciples. And then Paul came later on with some others in a world of sin and darkness. And he chose people, normal people, like you and me. And they went everywhere, preaching the word of God. And at a certain time, halfway through the book here, at a certain time, they found out that these people have turned the world upside down. They created a crisis. If you will please, a revolution. And the question is today, I want to challenge you. We don't have everybody, but those who are here, I want to challenge you. How can we experience the same revival that the disciples experienced in the days when they were serving the Lord? How can we? And if we need to give a title to my message, needed a spiritual revival. We need today a spiritual revival. First, in our church. Then, in our nation. We need that so badly. And I wrote down a few things. 
to help us spiritually being revived and start taking charge and living a true Christian life amongst the world. One, one, in order to have a true spiritual revival, we must have, must, being shared about must, the word must, there's no other alternative. We must have a unique leader. Who, I want you, I want you to be with me and help me on this. Who is a true leader, so unique in power, you have to answer me, who commands limitless resources unparalleled in all human history? He, who, who is capable to meet the limitless needs of this society? Who is this leader who has no like or equal that no person in all history has ever been or ever will be like him? Who has a presence that is so unique that he has power to accomplish great things that no one can accomplish? Who is this person? You're with me, thank God. Don't go to sleep, I'll wake you up. <laughs> he is the Lord Jesus. This person, the incomparable Jesus Christ. If we were to ask, who in your opinion is the most powerful and most revolutionary, if I may say revolutionary, we're not trying to ask to do a revolution here against anybody, <laughs> okay? The one who can really, really revive, revive nations. When he entered history, he changed it. And the book of Acts, from chapter 1 to the end of the book, the book of Acts reflects and answers our question, which you answered, that he is the only one who led a historical revolution, if you will please, revival, a change since his birth. And now, Christ, through his people, is turning the world upside down. Do you see that? He is turning the world upside down. Indeed, he is unique. Indeed, he is the only one. Indeed, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He's set apart in his claims, for no one else can say, here it is from the Bible, no one else can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can anyone, anyone say that? Spurgeon said about him, he is the great central fact in the world's history. To him, everything looks forward or backward. He is the only person who ever lived 
before he was born. Are you looking for a unique leader? Don't go far. Don't go far. He's here amongst us because he promised where two or three are gathered together, there I shall be in their midst. We have Jesus is amongst us. He is the crucified, buried, and the risen Savior. And he is the king of life. We had a glimpse of that during our breaking of bread. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Unique, yes, and more than that. He is the only one who is creating spiritual awakening in the hearts of many people. In spite of the world that we're living in, in spite of the wickedness that we see around us, in spite of the devil working everywhere, the Lord is still saving people and bringing people to the fold. He is still in command and he is changing the hearts of thousands everywhere in the world. Do you think with me he is a competent leader. We're still together? Okay. So, as we said, number one, we must have a unique leader. I can tell you many things about that. I can tell you that history, books are written about him. I can tell you many things. But due to time, time is running fast. Fast, okay. Do you think we have a unique and competent leader? Yes, we do. One. Two. We must must have a unique message. Do you want a revival? We must have a unique message. Do we have a message for this, this desperate, disillusioned generation? I don't have to tell you about the schools nowadays. And what our children are learning at schools. I hope they still can learn something. The school system is rotten. Society is made of families. And family life is broken. I'm optimistic. I'm an eternal optimist. But something, there are some realistic things in life. We have to look at them. I don't like to say that. I'd like to say we have the best schools, the best society, and it still is because I love America. Still is the greatest country in the world. I have to put this commercial. <laughs> and I wouldn't opt to live in any other country for one second. I am an American, not by birth, but I am an American, and I love this, this country more than anything in the world, and I hate to say that we are not doing well. We're not. We're not. Two Sundays ago, a woman stopped me 
in the congregation here in the audience and asked me a question three Sundays. I, I was preaching that day. She, she told me this. She was a guest. Do you have a message of comfort and encouragement for me? I said, I have only one message for you. Jesus Christ is the Savior, and he's the only one who can give you peace and a good life. She was sitting there in the seat. Ma'am, he is the only Savior in the world. And I told her, this is exactly what the Bible says. We preach the Bible. We preach the word of God. I don't have anything from myself. I tell you what the Bible says. The Bible gives us the message of hope to each and every person under the sun. Regardless where you come from, there is a message of hope and salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Do we have a unique message? Do you agree now we have a unique message? Okay, I'm going to continue. When Jesus met with one of the members of the Sanhedrin who came to him by night, he was a teacher. What did Jesus tell him? A question, test, what was his name? Well, you're with me. Thank God. We can end the meeting now. Adam, we can. All right. And he, he told him, you are, tell me you are a great teacher. This is Jesus. You're telling me I'm a great teacher. You're giving me all these things. Okay. Nicodemus, one thing you need, you must be born again. Not go to the priest, not go bathe yourself six times, not, to, not uh, go on every Sunday and sit behind a closed day. You remember those things? Of, some of you who are Catholics, with all the respect, okay, you sit in a little place and there's a window. Father, I have sinned. I have sinned to, against Jesus Christ and he saved me from my sin and I don't have to confess every week. He died for my sins and he saved me forever and ever. Amen. Have you accepted the Savior? Is he your Savior? You must be born again. The Philippian jailer, he was in a deep trouble. He knew he was going to die because Paul and Silas the jail or an earthquake, everybody, everybody was still there, yet no chains. And he came to them with tears and he nearly says, man, what can I do to be saved? Did they tell him to go somewhere? Did they tell him to go to a, to a priest or a pastor or, a, or anyone uh, or a rabbi to go and, and confess his sins? And I say, we tell him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Same thing what Jesus said. They're quoting. We only can give. We have a greatest message. Did it change? 
2,000 years ago, it was repent. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Did it change today? We have the greatest message that can penetrate the hardest heart, that can enter into the most sinful house and change the husband, the wife, and the children and make out of this family a godly and wonderful, straightforward, truthful, and honest and loyal family. Only through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Still the same. And he took it. That jailer took it. We have the greatest message. This is message that this message that was carried by the apostles to the four corners of the known world at that time. It's a message of salvation. It's God's message of love and forgiveness. And this is the message we are giving you. We're not asking you to join, to join the church. You're welcome if you want to be, to make this church your church and attend it. Joining a church doesn't make you a Christian. Giving to charity doesn't make you a Christian. Right, Cam? Paying your tithes doesn't make you a Christian. Many things you do just to inherit the kingdom of heaven does not make you a Christian and you cannot inherit it. You have to believe on the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary. Accept him as your Savior, that he took your place and died for your sins, and then you shall be saved. You must be born again. And guess what? This forgiveness is available for all. Not for the nominal Christians. Not for... And they're available for Muslims, for Buddhism, for atheistic, for anyone in the world. And Christians too is available. Jesus changes lives. This is the revival that we are aiming for. This is the message that never changed. And today... This truth that we are talking about, many people deny it. And maybe many people overlook it. But can you overlook the word of God? It's the power of God unto salvation. When Peter, with John by his side, were delivered to the Sanhedrin, to the, they took them to court, the, the Jewish court. And they said, Paul, uh, Peter, what do you say? This is what he said. There is salvation in no one else that was then over 2,000 years old, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Did it change today? Do we have the same message? Is this a unique message? People marveled at their courage and let them go. And let me ask you a question. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus? In the audience, we have so... Many today, 
Have you experienced his salvation? Have you come to the conclusion that you are a, a person who are a sinner? Like mine, like me. We're all sinners. Some of us are saved by grace. Some, they need to take this step and say, Lord Jesus, please save me. I am a sinner. Let me ask you a question. What manner of conduct, fashion, and life are you projecting to the world if you are a Christian? That's why I'm saying what we need today. Christians, we need a great revival. We have the only message that can save man from his misery. Yes? If I may say, a message that can create a revolution in your life. And what are you doing with it? Let me, let me address individuals. You may say, yes, I am with Jesus, Adel. You may say, I attend church, okay. You may say, I give to charity, fine. But how about your personal life and your relationship with Jesus Christ? If I ask you this question, have you been born again? Jesus asked it. Jesus told this man, you must. In other words, there is no other alternative. No other way that will take you to heaven, will save you from sin, except you have to be born again, period. Now, as a church, church membership church is not enough. You understand that? A mighty program of activity is not enough. Now today, churches all around the world, around us, they add activities to attract people. They change things to attract people. They introduce modern music to attract people. They have uh, big places and they build multi, whatever you call it, uh, so you can use it and they introduce sports. They introduce everything. Multi-purpose purpose places. They cannot change lives. These cannot. A blue room there and the donuts cannot change lives. We have to be critical of ourselves, right? Unless you are a true Christian. This cannot change you. Being with the Christians and say, oh, my friends are Christians. They cannot change lives. Taking a bag of good things and giving it to charity is very good, but it cannot change your life. It will not save you. It is very good, and if you're doing it, do it. It's good to help people. I'm for it, and we need to help. But you have something. You have your heart to be changed. And that's the message. That's the message that turned the world upside down. They saw that people are following them. They have no money to give. They don't have any church to go to. They go to the synagogue. They have no place. They live in tents. They have no clothes to, 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 to wear. And they are a bunch of like beggars. Yet, when they speak, they revolutionize the world. They change lives. 
Why? Because they have the message of Jesus Christ. In him there is salvation. Is the message still the same? Let's answer this. Yes, no. Okay. Third, we must have a unique plan. What's your plan? If there is to be spiritual revolution, a spiritual revival in our church today and in the world, if you would like that, there must be a, a plan so big that one person or any person, it's impossible for them to accomplish it. The truth is, the truth is, I rush through that, we have that plan. What is the plan? Jesus Christ told the disciples before he left, you know, one thing, you have the word, you have me, I want to give you a plan. And if you follow through this plan, you will never lose you will win souls. You can change the world up. Did they follow the plan? Okay, what's the plan? Go to the world. He says, go. Don't sit. Go. We listen to the word of God at church. And we go to work and let the world know what we are. How? By our, the way we live, the way we speak. A yes is a yes, and a no is a no. And then, above everything else, we project the Lord Jesus Christ. The plan, go, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe, here it is, all my commandments. Here's the plan. Did the world follow this plan today? No. Did the church follow this plan today? Mm. Mm. Do we follow the plan today? This convicting. Are we following the plan? We have the same plan. We have a plan that is so successful. If we take it seriously, it means, please listen to me, that our priorities in life must change. You hear me? Our priorities in life must change. Sacrifices has to be made. Three, insignificant events and activities must be deleted from our schedules. Let me repeat that. Insignificant events and activities must be deleted from our schedules. How many times? We, we just omit church just because we have a certain activity. That means nothing but because we do it because we do it by habit or we belong to a certain party or we go there and here and we omit coming to church. 
and honoring God and witnessing to the Lord Jesus Christ how much he's done on our behalf on the cross of Calvary. There's a course that we have to follow. Go to the world. This is the plan for you. Preach, teach, and baptize. And we have to finish the course. We have to be on guard, fully armed, and ready for battle to fight and conquer the enemy. Those who went before us evangelized and turned the world upside down. Church, it's time to listen to the word of God. It's time, it's time to obey the commandment of God. It's time to do the will of God, not our will, but his will be done in our lives. These men of old gave themselves, the Bible says, fully to Jesus Christ. And my question to you all today, to myself, are we willing? Are we willing? Paul, in his farewell to the elders of uh, the Ephesians, he said this, and listen to the words. The Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Oh, oh, okay. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. I consider, I do not consider my life of any account. Thank God we are not going through this here. But there are Christians in the far places in the Middle East that are dying because they are saying only we are Christians. They're being killed. They're, they are killing children in front of their eyes because they're standing for Christ. We did not get to that point, and I hope we'll never do that. But one thing I ask you, what are we doing? What are we doing with the plan? We have the greatest plan. Are we failing? Are we failing to execute it? And finally, we must have a unique commitment. Are we committed? Would you leave this place and say, Lord, I commit my life to you? I heard we have a great leader. We have a great message. We have a great plan. But it's waiting for people to commit themselves. Are you? Are we? Am I? Are you willing? What's your personal strategy in obeying the command of the Lord? Before you leave, what do you say to that? What do you plan to do with your life in relationship to his will? May your will be done, not mine. What is the priority in your life? What claims your attention and motivates your life?
Commitment is a foundation for successful living. You want to be a Christian, live a good Christian in life, follow this commitment. You want a revival in your household. You want a revival in your church. You want to see children follow the teaching you're teaching them. You want a happy wife, happy husband, let us live for Christ Jesus. Let's commit to him, Lord. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I commit to you. I, we have you. We have everything. It's the same. The same word. We don't have to look anywhere else. We have to, not to join a fraternity. We, have not, we, not, we don't need to, to join any other thing to better ourselves. The only thing that can make you better and good is the Lord Jesus Christ. Take him. Commit to him. And may the Lord bless you and be with you and give you a life, a life unequaled because he is a leader who is unequaled in history. Follow him and he will bless your life. Let's bow our heads for prayers. You want this revival in your heart? Ask for it. Before you leave this place and say, Lord, take me and change me and make me a new man, a new woman, a new young man at school, everywhere, at college, everywhere you are. Our Lord, before we leave this place, may we be honest with ourselves and commit our lives to you. You are the only leader, the only God, the only Savior. So take us with your hands and help us, Lord, not to forget that we belong to you. And if there's someone here who doesn't know you as personal Savior, well, we hear it from, your, from, the, from the mouth of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. May each and every person away from you be born again today, Lord. And he or she will leave this place as happy as ever. Dismiss us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.